Jesus is coming soon. Join Gloria Copeland and her special guest, Billy Brim, as they explore the question, does God promise peace on earth? Learn more on today's Believer's Voice of Victory. Now, here's Gloria. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Billy Brim's back with us from Prayer Mountain in the Ozarks, and we're going to have a great day today. So don't miss the broadcast. This week, in fact, don't miss the broadcast. Billy, welcome. Thank you very much, Gloria. I'm glad to be here. And I, for the subject, um, Gloria always lets me choose the subject when I'm going to be on. I'm so good to oh, you. Oh, she's so good to me. And then mm-hmm. that way, um, I, I have to do a lot of studying. <laughs> but anyway... Um, I thought we'd talk again about shalom and its depth of meaning. Yeah, good. It is peace, but it's far more than just absence of war. And it is our covenant that we have with God. And it's so plain in the Bible that he leaves nothing out. It's whole. He's offered us the whole. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm going to start out by saying years ago, years ago now, in 1975, Gloria... The Lord said to me, I want you to preach that I'm coming soon. And I said, people in my company are not, I don't hear them preaching that. And he said, well, I didn't want you to preach it because they're saying it. I want you to preach it because I'm saying it. And so then I found in the Bible that he said he's coming quickly. And by the way, Gloria, out of Prayer Mountain, uh, in our prayer, uh, we have there every Sunday afternoon at three, uh, this past Sunday... A man who's come, man and his wife, who's come there to pray with us. They moved in from someplace else. Very wonderful people. They volunteer for every job, small job that needs to be done. And um, then they're uh, they're very, just wonderful people. And last Sunday, I've never known of him to do this in any of our Sunday prayers. And Shelly, I wasn't there, but Shelly and Brenda were there. And uh, they said he was just shaking all over. And he had had three visions of Jesus that day? They, well, that week. Oh, that Since week. the past week. And um, in the visions, every one of them, Jesus told him, I'm coming very, very, very soon. Praise God. Come, and, Lord Jesus. Yes, and that the church was going to have two revelations, and those revelations were going to put us into a move like has never been in this earth. And the Lord said to him, not like Azusa, not like anything anyone's seen. Praise and God. Um, That's exciting. But... Uh, then he did uh, talk about there needed to be a purging in the church and that particularly people needed to move uh, out of their lives unforgiveness and uh, how that had stopped them from having their... I'm telling you, whenever we get through with this this week, Shalom, Mm -hmm. you see that God gave us everything, Gloria. Nothing is held back. But there are things that can hinder you me, mm-hmm. from receiving all God has. Certainly. And if we don't uh, receive it, it's because because something, you know, blocks it. But it's his intention to give it to us. So Jesus said that he's coming quickly in three yes, places. Revelation 22, he told me you preach it because I said it. Revelation 22, 7, behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Praise The book God. of Revelation. 22.12, Revelation. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, we're saved by grace. 
not by works. Right. But after you're born again, there are good works that you're ordained to walk in. You and Ken are ordained to provide television uh, teaching, radio teaching on every available voice. That That's You're right. ordained to walk in that. And so you're going to be rewarded for it. Praise God. So every man is rewarded according as his work shall be. Revelation 22, 20, he which testifies these things saith, surely I yes, come Lord. quickly. Come quickly. Amen is supposed to be our answer. So be it. So be it. Uh, may this prayer come true. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, it's been 10,000 years, 2,000 years, excuse me, 2,000 years since Jesus said that. He hasn't come yet. So I remember getting a, uh, I remember getting a postcard from someone. Uh, came in the mail on a postcard, a question. It's been 2,000 years. Did Jesus miss it? Well, the answer lies in we're earthlings. We don't see things like God sees them. The Bible says in Isaiah 57 that he, the Holy One, lives in eternity mm-hmm. like a wagon wheel. He's in the middle. He can look down and he spoke past, present, future. And as regards time, um, he invented time. And he invented it for his dealings with man. He sees that time. He is going to fix time. He's going to fix uh, man's fall. He's going to fix it in, in, well, let's say 6,000 years. But that's what he sees as six days. Mm-hmm. Because that's how God sees time. Psalm 30 and verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. So that's our witness uh, in the, in, from actually that Psalm 90 uh, was one of Moses' psalms. So from the time of Moses, we see that God sees it differently. Now in the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, 8 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Give us some deep interpretation of that, baby. Okay, Billy. Uh, Bi- I'm <laughs> okay. Gloria, you're Billy. I'm, yeah, let's get this straight now. <laughs> Gloria, if it's been 2,000 years in God's sight, how many days has it been? Two days. Two days, because he sees a day as a 1,000 years. Yes, so true. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. I'll be there in three days. It says, in fact, if we went to Hosea, we're not going to do it, that he's coming at the beginning of the third day or the end of the second day, either way you want to put it. So in his sight, in God's sight, it's quickly. He, he, he told us, and it's quickly coming. He is coming well, soon. How long is it going to be? Well, Gloria, I don't know if we'll get this broadcast aired. <laughs> As the time comes. Yeah, you know what, Gloria? We have to do this ahead of time. And there will be some time when we're doing a broadcast, probably, that before that broadcast airs, he will have come. And we'll be gone. And we'll be gone. And they'll, and they'll be playing it. They say, we don't know what where happened. These go? ladies, they disappeared. Tim, you'll have to make up something and tell people where we went. <laughs> he can do it. Yeah, he can do it. I'm sure you maybe have. have uh, but, but, but they will say, you know, this broadcast was made and these folks are among the missing. So um, uh, as many other about many thousand others are missing. Yeah, they're missing, but we've got we've got a television uh, record that these women were this here. Is true. This so bless it's like that. And so in six days, as God sees time, He fixed the fall. 
and then there will be the seventh day of the millennial reign, and then there's eternity future forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's all good. All good if you're a believer. But God didn't stop. It didn't stop him from making man because he could fix it. He knew man was going to fall. He knows everything. But he knew and had provided to fix for it. In fact, when Peter said this, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's, you have to read Scripture in context. That's one way of uh, you know, rightly dividing the words. You read it in context. And, the, and he's talking about the coming of the Lord. And in 2 Peter 3, 3, if you just go up, we read already just 2 Peter 3, 8. But if you go up to 2 Peter 3, 3, he says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So I'm sure there are people around, not any people around where you and I are, because most of them are saying he's coming soon. Mm -hmm. But there are people out in the world who are saying, Ah, my grandma fought that, and he hadn't come yet. He's not coming. And sometimes they even doubt that he is. But he's coming, and he's coming soon. And as God sees time, when you look at things the way God sees things, then you have a different interpretation. And that's what we're going to consider as we look at, did the angels miss it? That was, did Jesus miss it? You know, he said he's coming soon. So did... uh, Does that scripture say that... Well, wait, I kind of lost that thought. That he's coming as a thief in the night? That's when he's coming, Gloria, for uh, after the seven-year tribulation. He's coming for us before we're going to meet him in the air at the, at the rapture of the church. The part particularly, even though people have tied it to the rapture, the part particularly that talks about him coming as a thief in the night, he's talking about when he comes uh, and the world looks up and all eyes see him. So... They're going to be surprised. But to tell you the real truth, the church is not going to be surprised. We're going to have had such a change in us. And you know that man I told you about that saw that uh, visions, those visions, three visions? That's what Jesus told him. There's going to be, I am purifying my church. We're going to know. And we're going to to be walking in the glory. It's going to be a glorious church. So we'll know. It won't be slipping up on us. That's what the Bible teaches us in Thessalonians. Now the world... It's going to slip up on them. It'll be like a thief in the night to them. They don't have a clue. No, that's the second coming. That's why you don't want to be in the world. You no. don't want to be in the church. No, no. So, uh, now here's another question. Did the angels miss it? Here's what the angels said when, uh, when, when, when Jesus came into the world as a babe. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which Mm -hmm. shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Praise God. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Well, one could argue it didn't seem to happen that they had peace on earth. Then at that time, they had very horrible conditions on earth. Rome and the emperors, the crazy emperors that were going to move on to Nero and afterwards were ruling things with an iron fist. They were conquering whomever they wanted to conquer. And now it doesn't seem like we have peace on earth. You know that Christmas song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie? In a crazy thing called the Oslo Peace Accords, in which little Israel, which is the size of New Jersey, would give up land, then the, their enemies would give them peace. So in that, right in Israel, uh, the Oslo Peace Accords, they gave over areas to Yasser Arafat. Yasser Arafat, the terrorist. Mm. And one of the things his group got was... They got uh, Hebron. That's one of Abraham's altars. They got Shechem, or Shechem, we say, or Nablus. And they got Jericho. And they got, these are little circular areas that they were given complete uh, rule over. They got Bethlehem. Mm. And we stopped going to Bethlehem with our tours. Where we had always gone, the birth of Jesus is an uncontested site. We know for sure that he was born in Bethlehem, there in a cave. And uh, so we stopped taking our tourists there on our tour groups when this happened around 2005 or so. And uh, 2004, back in there. And um, we didn't go. We didn't take them there because it was literally dangerous. Now, uh, my daughter, Shelly, recently went to Israel. And it's Bethlehem's better. And they say that it happened when Donald Trump became the president. So I don't know all the findings behind that. but So it, don't quote me on no, that. No, don't quote me on that. I don't know all the findings behind that. But I do know that Bethlehem is, is a kind of a seething place. Hmm. Um, so um, peace. The angel said, when he comes, he's going to get peace on earth. Well, it's not right now. Even in Israel, I uh, went to a, um, I went to a conference where they had some military people from Israel speak to us. And uh, they told us that the northern border of Israel has now become an enclave coming down near to it for Iran, Iran's Mm. forces. And that Iran and that radical Islamic regime that's there, uh, the Shia, the mullahs, they they now control all the the land just north of Israel. They control Syria since the Syrian war. They control Lebanon. They control the Hezbollah, which is a terrorist group in Lebanon. They control the Hamas, Mm. which is um, in Gaza, and it's on Israel's eastern border, eastern southern. And even though the Shia, uh, Iran is Shia, and the Hamas is Sunni, why does Iran control them? Because they supply the money. And um, the Iranian deal, which we foolishly signed, released millions into Iran. And what do they do with it? Not only do they build nuclear weapons, but they also fund terrorist groups. And there they are sitting on the northern border of Israel. Now, uh, 
they're also allies with Russia. And uh, Ezekiel 38, I don't know uh, if that's going to happen before we leave, after we leave. What? I don't know. But I know one thing. You could not say there's peace on earth right now. You could not say it. There are wars going in Africa. Uh, there's in Yemen and all places on this earth. There's wars and, there's rumors. Wars and rumors of wars, mm-hmm. like the Bible says. So that can't be that when he came as a baby, from then on we've had peace. It can't be. If we take the Western definition of peace. Now, what is our Western definition of peace? Absence of war. Absence of war. Or absence of a, uh, we'll speak of uh, peace in your mind. We, we look at it as peace on earth. We look at it as peace having between nations, a peace of mind. Um, but uh, the, did the angel, I, wasn't, I didn't even mention North Korea, you know. So we definitely don't have what the world would call an absence of war or a rumor of war. We have what the Bible calls yeah. wars and rumors of wars, as you said. Mm-hmm. So where, where, where is the, what's the answer to this? Well, the answer is uh, God's definition of peace and man's definition of peace. They're different, totally different. With man's definition of peace, it's limited to an absence of conflict, war, either in with between nations or your mind. But in God's definition of peace, it has depth of meaning. Like love. Ephesians 3.17 tells us that God wants us to understand love. And in, in just reading 3.17, Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of love. So that's God's definition of peace. It definitely means much more than what the world says when they think of peace. And for knowing what God meant when he said peace and he gave you peace and Jesus gave us peace, what all does that mean? And so we're going to use a book, um, How the Hebrew Language Grew by Edward Horowitz. And we're going to find out tomorrow. We'll start going to this in depth, but I'm going to read just a little bit of it to you right now from this book, How the Hebrew Language Grew. And I'll read this again tomorrow. What page are you going I'm on page uh, 22. The Hebrew, oh, the Hebrew. Gloria, you know that when Kent passed away, that was in 1986. I sought the Lord what to do. And he said, I want you to study Hebrew in the land. I had no idea of studying Hebrew. And so I went to uh, a language school, a Hebrew language school, Kiva, in uh, Israel. And there I studied. And I'm not a Hebrew expert. I'm a student of Hebrew, just a baby student. Even from 1986, I'm still a baby student because this language is so rich. Brother Hagen, you know, I worked for him for years and I agree with probably 98% of what Brother Hagen said. That's pretty good. I know he's honored, Billy. I know he's honored, yeah. <laughs> but there's some things I disagree with him. And this is one. He said publicly, the Greek 
is a much better language to express God's thoughts in than the Hebrew. And I thought, that is not so. The Hebrew language, which is the language of creation. God said, or He said it in Hebrew, let there be light. The Hebrew language in its depth and length and breadth, like Ephesians spoke of love, is so full. But to understand it, you have to understand how it grows. The Bible, Gloria, as you study the Bible, English, Hebrew, whatever, it's planting and reaping. Everything in Hebrew is planting and reaping, sowing and reaping. You know, the parable of the sower in the New Testament, which your husband has taught and taught and taught and taught us. And it's everything is like that in Hebrew. It is a language which grows. And what do plants grow from? What do trees grow from? A root. And that's what the words grow from. Mm, The words, Hebrew words, grow from roots. R-O-O-T-S. I don't know where you come from. Maybe you say roots. Roots, roots, whichever. It's those things that are at the bottom of a tree. The Arkansas virgin is roots. In Arkansas, they say roots. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I I grew up in Oklahoma, but I say roots. But anyway. Well, you're educated. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It doesn't matter. In Hebrew, it's shoresh. And it's a root. And every word grows from a root. And in Hebrew, there are not a whole lot of roots. And word families grow from them, and we're going to find out how that works tomorrow. Okay. I think it's better that we wait until tomorrow, and that way you can call your friends, and they can come in, and they can learn something about what does that word peace mean? What does that word shalom mean? That's going to be great. How much is in it? What can I see from the Hebrew growing of that word? What does it mean in my life? And Gloria, let's just jump way ahead. All right. Jesus gave you everything. That's right. I believe it. He gave you wholeness. And shalom literally means the peace that comes because you're whole. Nothing is broken about you. Nothing is missing. Not your arm. Mm -hmm. Not your leg. Not your money. Not your uh, peace of mind. Peace. Wholeness. You have wholeness. Jesus got for you wholeness and he got for you with for you connection with God. He got for you oneness with God. All of this is in that word shalom and all of it. The angels did not miss it. They said he's coming and he's going to give you shalom on the earth. And we're going to look into all that that means and satisfy your. Maybe not you, but your neighbor down the road question is healing in the atonement. Uh-huh. You know, some people say that. Let me just tell they you, question, it's a good answer. It's a good answer. Is it a good answer, Glow? Billy and I'll be right back. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord. 